This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tom and Bach, coming at you live from Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America, on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Tom Stevens. Hey, what day is it? Uh, to my knowledge, Wednesday. Well, we're happier than a camel on Wednesday, baby. Jake Bakoven. Coach told me when we're in Rome, we do as Romans, and when we're in Italy, we do as Italians. So, Italians, they eat pizza after the game. Tom and Buck starts now. Welcome in. It is Tom and Bach. I'm Tom Stevens. That's Jake Bachhoven. We do a show every weekday on The Ticket. That's the radio station you're listening to from uh, 11 to 2. We've been on for well over two months, uh, maybe four months. Has it been four months? It's been the entire football season. Yeah, that's right. It's almost look at us go. Almost it's amazing how quickly the football season went by. Uh, Black Friday still happens this Friday with no Adrian Martinez. We'll talk a lot about that uh, today. Chris Bassnett will be on the show. Stephen M. Sippel and Tom Luganbill, who actually saw that game, uh, was uh, part of the broadcast of Nebraska versus Wisconsin on this show. I like Tom Luganbill a lot. He's on ESPN, uh, does uh, the college football show on a regular basis, uh, talks about the college football playoff uh, on that show, and I, I want to talk to him about that and some Husker football as well. But it'll be interesting to get his Husker football takes. Yeah, he's one of the brightest minds in college football, I think. So it's it, it and, and like you said, it was kind of the sideline reporter. So got to see the Nebraska team up close and personal, and you know he does that often. So yeah. he, you know he, we can kind of ask him to compare it to other teams how close he actually thinks Nebraska is. Uh, Nebraska, I don't know how close they are in basketball right now. I mean, sometimes they look like they're just interested. Last night looked like one of those nights against uh, I don't know Ken Palm's bottom 200 i mean they, they're they're way past 200 as far as the ken palm rankings uh is tennessee state uh and now they're one and four but nebraska did win the game 79 to 73 but it looked iffy uh late in that game nebraska got a good performance from alonzo verge 18 points 10 assists he had uh five rebounds in that game i think he kind of saved him bryce mcgowan's Another decent game, 18 points, 7 of 8 from the field. Derek Walker, another career high with 16 <laughs> points. Every time he goes out there, he has a career yeah, high. It's 14, I, 15, 16 it, in the last three It was games. a weird game, Bakken, that I'm uh, sitting with DP yesterday, uh, last night, looking up, and Nebraska's shooting like 53, 54% from the field. And at one point, they were losing. 
Uh, it was like, and it felt like they were losing just because I was like, yeah, I know they made a lot of shots around the rim, and I think that's going to benefit Nebraska along with the free throw shooting, even though last night wasn't very good. That their three-point, it wasn't just that Tennessee State can shoot, and they can shoot. Uh, Nebraska just does not have any interest really in guarding the three-point shot. Yeah. <laughs> so far this year. Uh, and the energy just is lacking at times. Uh, I think this is a team that can be really good, uh, but on nights when they're not good, they can be really bad. Well, it's you know it's it's kind of the 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 era of college basketball or basketball yeah. in general is the three point line kind of rules all and Tennessee State was able to um, hit thirteen of them on f- almost forty percent from beyond at, the arc ten at half yeah they had ten at half they were ten of nineteen at halftime which really kept them in it yeah. I mean that was the reason they were in the game but it was also because Nebraska refused to guard them uh, Hoiberg said it was. It was just as simple as staying in front of them, and finally they figured that out. They stood in front of them, and uh, they got a hand in their face. I thought they played better defense in the second half. Um, I, I wonder just, if they made the adjustment at halftime, because sometimes you will go into a game. The game plan is to allow them to try uh, to, to keep themselves in it by shooting from long range. Just don't let them get into the paint. Or, you know. So you wonder if they made that adjustment after Tennessee State proved to them that they can hit the three. Uh Brian says he watched the Nebraska game last night, and then he watched the Gonzaga-UCLA game. Uh, was amazed how the Huskers, ha- how far they have to go. Uh, well, that's Gonzaga and UC. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, Holmgren, by the way, is really a-, a lot of fun to watch. They did win that game, and they won it by 20. They won it easily over UCLA. Uh, of course, a team that they met in the Final Four. Uh, but Gonzaga right now looks like the best team in the country, uh, and it's not really even close. But Nebraska, I, I guess I should take comfort in that they, they have a lot of guys that can score, and they did again last night. A bunch of guys in double figures, Verge with 18, Bryce McGowan's with 18, uh, Derek Walker with 16. They had 15 from C.J. Wilcher. They had a lot of guys that, you know, you're learning, can score, can go off at any point. It's just the defensive end for this team. And the three-point shooting has not been good. Last night, uh, another bad night from three, six of 25 for 25%. It's really weird too, because you know, Latman and you know, Tominaga, these guys yeah. can shoot. And eventually you'd think that they're going to, you know, kind of even this thing out, but yeah. it's getting kind of, it's kind of getting there, right? It's yeah. six games into the yeah. season and you're not shooting over 30% from the arc basically in any yeah. game and in, in, in totality. Uh, you wonder how well this team can shoot. I mean, there's, there's certainly going to be nights where they can catch fire yeah. and go off. Um, but it's it, it isn't happening yet. So yeah. you wonder if that's a, almost a weakness to this team, uh, as would be the case for the previous two teams, which yeah. is weird for Hoiberg, who's kind of his yeah. whole system is the five out, you know, shoot the ball a lot from beyond the arc type of deal. Um, and he's hasn't he hasn't put together a team that can do it yet. But yeah. this team looks like it can. It's like a whole team of Ray Gallegos yeah. where it looks good <laughs> when they're putting it up, and a then it doesn't team, go in. A whole team of Ray Gallegos. <laughs> Uh, that That is excellent. Uh, yeah, because it always looked like it was going to go in with Ray. Uh, and Tamanaga has that same thing. But he's yeah. just, uh, you can tell he's a little bit in his own head. And I wonder about the pressure with the Japanese media and, you know, him being called as, you know, Hoiberg did. But I don't think Hoiberg invented the you know, the Japanese Steph Curry. That's not right. where that came from. Uh, that's been around for a while. The guy can shoot. We know he can shoot. He just hasn't so far. Uh, Bryce McGowan's is still getting comfortable. Uh, figuring out how to play college basketball. C.J. Wilcher, I think, is going to be fine. I think he's going to be on and off. He's doing really well. Um, uh, so, uh, 
Lat Mayon is is somebody I've been concerned about with his offensive game so far, but he has provided some defense. Uh, and you're talking about three games in five days. Um, so that's that's a lot of basketball with a lot of one day or less preps uh, in those days. So uh, they win. Nebraska's now four and two. Uh, you wish they would have won that Western Illinois game, and so they could be five and one, and you could say, well, they haven't even played well, uh, and they're five and one. Uh, now they face a team in South Dakota on Saturday uh, that beat the same team Nebraska beat by six points. They beat them by 20 or about 20. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be a much bigger challenge. We'll see how it goes against South Dakota. Well, it's interesting. It, you almost, it's, it, with this team, it's almost just like holding your breath till they get past these games, uh, right? They have South Dakota. Uh, then they gear up for a really good, you know, the non-con, the really – Meat of the non-con right. comes. You play North Carolina State. Well, really what happens is then you play those two games in the Big Ten, the kind of the previews, before you're really getting into it in January. But the point is you have two games left that would that you could probably put in that category that we're going to put Western Illinois in, where if you get a loss, it's going to be ugly for a, a bubble burster, as we've yeah. called it. South Dakota on Saturday. And then you have North Carolina State, Indiana, Michigan, Auburn, and Kansas State in a row. Good luck with that. And then you have Kennesaw State uh, before you start the Big Ten conference season. So you only have two of these games left against opponents that people would, would call probably call buys. You know, you buy them. You, you come in there and they, they come to your town and you get a win and everybody feels good. But you, I don't know if everybody feels good after last night. Uh, talking with Eric Strickland, who, who did the postgame show last night, he was kind of thinking similar to our texter where he's watching games around the Big Ten. He's watching other teams. They look ahead of where Nebraska is, but I think that's to be expected, and I think we have to give the, the Huskers some credit, too. This is, I think, the third game in a row with eight 18 assists are in that area. Um, that's much better than we saw the first couple games. Alonzo Verge took over that game. I mean, he won it, uh, you, you know, with about six minutes to go or whatever. He kind of just took over the game, uh, and he looks better in this offense. You know, it's not every play, play in and play out. Um, and they're also, like you said with Derek Walker, three straight career highs. I mean, 14, 15, and 16. Uh, I guess he'll get 17 the next yeah. time out. But in any case, a 7 of 7 shooting. You can't yeah. get much more efficient than that. Um, and Bryce McGowan's is coming on. So there are reasons um, to be excited about this team and some of the areas that they're getting better in. Um, it's just the overall feeling, obviously, right. trailing at halftime. I mean, because you, if you lose that game, I think you almost change the narrative on what this team is aiming for, right? Yeah. And they're barely kind of clinging on to that hope they that are. we had at the beginning of the season. Oh, um, but they're a young team, and maybe they can, you know, maybe at some point they can put it together. But they're young, but they're not. Uh, to a certain degree. I mean, uh, Alonzo Verge has a lot of experience in college basketball. Yeah. Derek Walker has been around the block. Uh, I understand he's getting his feet wet again after, you know, having to sit out. Uh, but, you know, before he went down, Trey McGowan's uh, had had a lot of experience in college basketball. Uh, they've got guys on this roster. Lat Mayon has been around the block. Uh, these guys, yes, they have some young dudes. I get it. Uh, but there's also some experience sprinkled in, and I guess that's one of the reasons I was excited about this team. A guy like, I do believe Alonzo Verge was the best player on the floor last night, uh, and it wasn't really close. 18 points, 10 assists, 7 of 11 from the field. Uh, he had five rebounds. Uh, the guy contributes. He fills out a stat sheet uh, like uh, no other Nebraska player I've seen in a while. Oh, yeah. In every category, he's really, really good. And he probably is the reason Nebraska didn't get knocked off last night. Um, he had a lot of assists. And then he decides when he wants to turn it on, he can turn it on. He can pretty much score at will. He decided not. 
uh, early in that game. He tried to be a playmaker, and it was working. Uh, so career high ten assists, by the way. Yeah, that, that's. When was the last time Nebraska? I mean, Delano Banton did it a couple of times, right? <laughs> I think he gets uh, Peru State, or whatever it was. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Cam Mack did it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and Cam Mack was a natural point guard. But I think Verge actually could become that if he decides that he wants to play that way. We'll see when the when the competition steps up again. That was a bad team. That was a really bad team that they played last night. Yeah, and sometimes you get too lost into the to the, the that discussion too. Because I want Verge to be on the attack. I think he can be your leading scorer. I think you need him to be. Um, you know, he can finish really well at the hoop. Yeah. You know, I know some people would let, rather him dish it off at times there, but um, I, I I want him to still have that kind of scorer's mentality. I mean, last night's just a perfect game. I mean, you can get ten assists and have that scorer's mentality and score around eighteen, nineteen, twenty a game. I mean, that's that's all league type of consideration yeah. right there. I, I'd like to get your food rankings at some point, uh, Bach and the listeners, 464-5685. All three of our listeners, I'd like to uh, have them contribute. <laughs> uh, Sutter Hammond text line, 464-5685. Honda of Lincoln Hotline. Rank the food items. Uh, maybe we could start with Tom Luganville. Uh, his, uh, yeah. uh, and I know it's, it's a typical radio bit, uh, but it's something I'm truly interested in. Because I, I'm not a big turkey guy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Potatoes is number one for me. Uh, and I'm not even turkey number two. I'd go ham. Uh, number three on my list is turkey. Number four, I've got, uh, let's see. Did I put turkey twice? Uh, corn. <laughs> you corn, really like corn. turkey. I really like, no, I actually, I, I, I like turkey, but it can get, it can get dry fairly easily. Uh, let's welcome in Tom Luganville. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Happy Thanksgiving week to you. Yeah. Uh, how would you rank your uh, Thanksgiving foods? It's a, it's a radio bit that everybody has to do. With mashed potatoes, turkey, ham, corn, stuffing. Where are you going? <laughs> we just did this for three hours yesterday on yeah. radio to of every course. guest that we had on, so I feel your pain. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's, yeah. I, I think you're either you're some form of a turkey or a honey-glazed ham, and if you really want to do the turkey and avoid the dryness, you, you, you've got to do, like, the oil-fried um, turkey. Right. And great moisture there, so you're going to be good there. Uh, and then for me, for me, I think from a sides perspective, um, everything needs to be very homemade and very southern, like, you know, um, cheese and squash casserole, um, uh, um, homemade mac and cheese, um, uh, sweet potato casserole, maybe a little green bean pie, wow. you know, all those sorts of things. And then 
I'm hit or miss on the whole cranberry deal. I don't know what you're supposed to quite um. do with it, what it's supposed <laughs> to go on. I don't even yeah. know why it's there. I've been told you have to make your own cranberry sauce to really know, but I'm with you. I don't get it. I understand what's even on the table, but uh, that's just me. And stuffing. I, I feel the same way about stuffing, which is sacrilege for a lot of people. I, I don't like stuffing, uh, but I apologize for that. Uh, it's Tom Luganville. College football uh, covers it for ESPN and others. Uh you saw Nebraska live in person uh, in Madison against uh, Nebraska, against Wisconsin. Uh, what did you think? Because it's been called, Nebraska's been called the worst or the best worst team in college football. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And really what I saw, and I said this in the latter part of the broadcast in the fourth quarter, you know, it's like the same movie on a reel, on a loop, just on a different weekend. You know, and they can't seem to get out of a rut. They can't seem to avoid shooting themselves in the foot. And and the self-inflicted wounds have plagued them so significantly. And it's not just exclusive to one player or to one unit or one area. It's It, it seems to have come at inopportune times, and they haven't been able to recover from it. And so... You know, I look at them, and, and, and I think the most important thing that I took away from not only my study going into the game, but leaving the contest on Saturday night, was that Scott Frost and this staff has his team playing hard. And I think when you've had the misfortune that they've had, when you've come up short, when you've had so many one-possession games, it's very, very easy for young people to pull the woe-is-me card, you know, fold up their lawn chair and pack it in. And this team has not done that. That's a direct reflection upon Scott Frost and the staff. It's a reflection upon uh, their leadership. But uh, quite frankly, and this is just my two cents, guys, because I I think that this is a reality when it comes to Nebraska football. From a recruiting perspective, it's a much more difficult job than people think it is. And if we're expecting Nebraska to be amongst college football's elite, and we have to understand the challenges of getting elite-level players as freshmen and sophomores and juniors and underclassmen, getting them to Lincoln, Nebraska, unofficially is not easy to do. So there are some challenges there, I think, with this program that were not there 25, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, it's certainly been difficult, but Nebraska, it seems like some, you know, it doesn't have the blue-chip prospects like that, but like we've been saying, they, they look like a good football team. What did you think of the whole decision to keep Scott Frost for another year, restructure his contract, and, and give it another go, even though, I mean, they could finish 3-9 and nine if they don't beat a top-25 Iowa team this weekend? Yeah, no, I, I just think that Trev Albert, he, he really believes in the process of what they are trying to do. I think probably he and Scott Frost both acknowledged that this wasn't just a rebuild. It was an overhaul, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't going to happen with the wave of a magic wand. You know, offensively, I watch them guys. I love their scheme. They do some really creative things. They do some things that pe- put people in a lot of conflict. So the belief in what they're trying to do I, I think is strong. Um, you know, the question that I would have going forward, and I know a lot of this and just talking to Scott Frost and hearing the comments from Trev Alberts and, and, and the commentary of, as to why they made this move, why the shifts with the offensive staff members, it's ultimately to take more of the pressure off of Scott Frost from an offensive involvement or play-calling perspective um, and allow him to maybe dive in deeper into other areas of the football team so that the team acknowledges that he's the head coach of the whole team. 
that he's not just running the offense. So the question then becomes, going into next year in this offseason, if he's studying people to bring in to run the offense, is he still going to have an active role? Is he still going to be the play caller? Um, is uh, somebody that's really good going to be willing to come in and not have total autonomy? I think those are questions that remain to be seen. But this, you know, this will be really the, the last remaining opportunity for Scott Frost in 2022. There has to be a significant yeah. turnaround so that what you think you invested in now is actually correct. Uh, Tom Luganville, ESPN analyst, uh, talking with him about college football and the Huskers here. Uh, you mentioned next year is a big year for Frost, maybe a make-or-break year. How big is Adrian in that equation, whether he decides to come back, Adrian Martinez? Well, you know what you're going to get, the good and the bad. He's got tremendous leadership skills, three-year captain within the program. The players love him. I, I think that at times he's a real head-scratcher because – for all of the great plays that he makes, there are times where he's made some really poor decisions that either have resulted in a turnover on downs or a turnover of the football, put themselves in, in, in you know a, a problem that they now have to overcome. And again, he's not the whole problem, but he has been part of the problem. So the question then remains, do you want him back? I think Scott Frost does because I think there's he feels like there's still more to do with him. But there is the downside of, of whether or not you believe that what you see is what you get with him right now or that you feel like he can eliminate the mistakes, that he can stay healthy all the time and, and really maximize his, his ability level. I kind of liken it to Kenny Pickett at Pitt. You know, he, a, a talented guy, had always been very inconsistent, um, had an opportunity to maybe leave. He decides to come back, and lo and behold, he irons out all the issues stays healthy, has a magical year, and now has worked him into a first or second-round draft choice. And so I think those are questions Scott Frost and the staff have to ask themselves. Do we think that Adrian Martinez could do the same thing? That's interesting. You did get a close look at Nebraska. That's where we're most interested in. But we also like the Big Ten at whole. And you get to see Wisconsin and Braylon Allen up close and personal as well. Do you think that they have a chance, if they beat Minnesota, to go on and beat either Ohio State or Michigan in the title game? I, I think they're the most equipped defensively, because the problem with facing both Michigan and particularly Ohio State is there's a high likelihood that in order to win, you're going to have to score 40. And that's not generally Wisconsin's makeup. So what do you then have to do? You have to come to town with the defense that can get some stops, that can avoid getting into a, a, a track meet type situation, because that's not Wisconsin football. That's not what they want to be. Um, Wisconsin would have to do what they do best, and that's play keep away by running the football, maintaining possession of the ball, and then scoring once they get in the red zone so that you limit how many times Ohio State actually has the ball offensively. And, you know, I've had the good fortune this year. We, I've seen Purdue twice. I've seen Iowa. I've seen Michigan State. Um, just saw Wisconsin, obviously, Nebraska, and saw uh, Ohio State as well. The, the, the short answer to your question is, Nobody in that league has Ohio State's personnel. Hey, Tom, so if I know you're going to have a chance at beating Ohio State. Not only will you have to play your best, but they're probably going to have to do something to help you. Uh, I know you have to go, but one more question regarding the college football playoff uh, rankings, which were released yesterday. Georgia number one, Ohio State did move up to number three. Then you have Alabama and Cincinnati. Do you think that's where it stays at the end of the season? 
Uh, p- potentially. Obviously, the next two weeks are huge. I mean, we, we've got to figure out what's going to happen with Cincinnati and the American Conference Championship game with, with, with Houston, naturally. Uh, we, we've got the big game between Ohio State and Michigan coming up. How will that play itself out? Um, you know, I still think to some degree Wisconsin, uh, Cincinnati is a little bit dependent on what happens around them in the sense that, um, and I'm going to paint a picture for you here, what if, just what if, on Alabama were to beat a Georgia, assuming they get past yeah. Auburn in the Iron Bowl, yeah. they were to beat a Georgia, do you believe that the committee thinks that Georgia and Alabama should both get in as opposed to Cincinnati being undefeated and getting in? I do. I think that that would be the one variable that could potentially pop Cincinnati out of this, and I don't think we can gloss over a potential one-loss Big 12 champ in Oklahoma State would have had to have beaten, let's see, Oklahoma, all right, and then Baylor, yeah. all right, which would be another ranked team. So oh, still a lot to unfold, but guys, that's what makes this awesome. Yeah. We're sitting here in late November, and we're not just talking about Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Oh, we're it talking is talking about a bunch of teams. This is awesome. Yeah, the Oklahoma State scenario is very interesting because they'll have two top ten wins if they win both those games, and they're get they'd right. have a great argument. Uh, for the top four. Great stuff, Tom. Uh, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. Thanks for having me, guys. Tom Luganville, ESPN analyst, uh, was there on the sidelines for Nebraska versus Wisconsin. Uh, does a weekly show, a couple, three times a week. He's a, uh, on you, ESPN. you can find him basically on yeah, one of the college football yeah, channels. He's really smart. Anyway, yeah. He's a really smart guy. Uh, enjoy his coverage of college football. Let's get to break and uh, come back with more on Tom and Bach. Download our app by searching 93.7 a ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. This is Tom and Bach. At Koppel Chevrolet GMC, we are thankful for so many things this year, starting with our great employees, a generous community, our military personnel, and most importantly, our loyal customer base that continues to drive that money-saving mile of Louisville. Hi, this is Sean Callahan, and on behalf of everybody at Koppel, we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving and safe travels to wherever they may take you. Happy holidays from Koppel Chevrolet GMC. We take our college football Saturday so seriously at 93.7 The Ticket that one postgame show simply isn't enough. Join Derek Pearson and Jake Sorensen for the Ticket Postgame. 90 minutes following each Nebraska game at Tanner's Bar and Grill at 30th and Yankee Hill. They'll break down the game from their vantage point with giveaways to listeners who drop by and hang out. It's the Ticket's Postgame with DP and Jake, live from Tanner's Bar and Grill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.